Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Leslie, would you like to take us out? Nefertiti's Fjord. I'm Trisha Bobita. I'm Greta Johnson. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. This week, we talked to Zoe Chase, likely a familiar name for any fellow NPR nerds out there. Zoe reports on the economy for Planet Money. You know, Trisha, one of my favorite public radio stories ever is from Planet Money. It's sort of chemistry related, and I like to nerd out about chem, too. You're not going Walter White on me now, are you? Well, no, I haven't taken chemistry since high school, so that's kind of out of the picture. But this story is super cool. It turns out there's a very practical reason why gold is the element we've used as currency for most of human history, and why it's really the best of all 118 elements on the periodic table. Money that spontaneously bursts into flames? Bad idea. Yeah, the Planet Money Gang stories are so good that once they did a story about the stone money on the island of Yap, and it saved me from about 300 pages of reading in an economic anthropology class. What, Trisha? You didn't do all the reading? Well, I did. It was just pretty terrible, dry academic writing. And I understood the island of Yap's economy much better after just a few minutes with Planet Money. We've put some links to some of our favorite Planet Money stories at nerdettepodcast.com. Now it's time to talk to Zoe Chase. She's a great radio journalist, but if you see her nerding out with headphones on, odds are she's not tuned into public radio. So I think that I'm a little too focused on radio in general because I think that my hobbies are also radio related because they're also about like expressing yourself in an audio form, you know, like listening to music. I listen to like a lot of country music because I like the way they tell stories. And I got really, really obsessed with Louie this last season, like between Louie and Lena Dunham's girls. Like she's just basically Louie, I think, you know, as a 23-year-old. I just was obsessed with them and I just thought about them all the time. I watched Louie over and over again and I was just thinking about how New York has changed so much since the neurotic of New York used to be like encapsulated by Woody Allen and then Seinfeld. And now it's not. And it makes me feel like the Jewish culture of New York is changing and becoming like so assimilated that it's not as distinctive as it used to be. And there was just something so special about that time when when Jewishness was a humor that was so specific to New York and yet somehow translated so that it was a national humor. Like that was a special thing. And I kind of think that it's interesting that now the New York neurotic is somebody like Louis. And I got sort of obsessed with that idea. But then I just I just like the way Louis thinks about his life. It's the greatest thing ever. And so through Louis, I just wanted to watch more confessional stand up comedy (laughs) where people just explain tiny little things that happen and derive like huge meaning out of them. But, you know, again, like that's kind of like what this American life does. So it feels like it's a little bit too much connected to the radio thing still. But like I started going to see stand up comedy in New York. 
I'm not like somebody that knows any like obscure anything. So I don't know like obscure bands or obscure comics. I went through all of Louie a million times and I saw Louie live. And I went through all of Chris Rock a million times and Eddie Murphy, you know, and Dave Chappelle and Aziz Ansari. Like, I don't know <laughs> the cool underground comics. I don't know who they are, but that's what I'm obsessed with. And rather than listening to, you know, any NPR or whatever, I'll just listen to stand-up comedy now mostly. Probably kind of fun to hear people tell stories in a pretty similar way, but sort of without any of the rules that you have. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms yeah. of, they're, you know, they don't really have a time limit. They can curse. They can do anything they want to get their point across. And they talk more about the stuff that people actually care about. You know, a lot of people in the U.S. like don't really care about what's happening in the Middle East. And what's happening in the Middle East between Cairo and Syria is important, but so complicated and hard. And so you have to make an argument for it when you do a radio story about those places. But like what Louis talks about, they talk about what their body looks like. They talk about how bad they feel after they masturbate. You know what I mean? Like stuff that yeah. actually people like t- are totally engaged with all the time. I love that they get to do that, you know? The long lead cover story on Louie that the headline was The Filthy Moralist. Oh, yeah. And I think that's so true about him specifically. I'm, you know, totally obsessed with Louie too. Mm-hmm. And that idea that he says things that are so filthy, but the there's a heart to them. And a core of, like, you know he loves his kids. Yeah. And you know that he would probably be a decent human being in any sort of random act of kindness situation you needed him to be. But then when he told that story on stage later, he'd be like, but I almost didn't help the old lady up. Because (laughs) he just can get away with saying awful things. It's true. Like, he does have this way of, it's not as though you get off easy or something. Like, he doesn't let humanity off easy. Have you seen his of course, but maybe routine? I was just about to ask you if you mean of course, but maybe. Of course, of course, (laughs) but maybe. Like, it's so amazing. Okay, like of course, of course, children who have nut allergies need to be protected. Of course. We have to segregate their food from nuts have their medication available at all times. And anybody who manufactures or serves food needs to be aware of deadly nut allergies. Of course. But maybe, maybe if touching a nut kills you, you're supposed to die. It's about everything, you know? And it's about the feeling. It's not about people who have nut allergies, really. It's just about the feeling, <laughs> right? that like contradictory feeling that is this like really universal human feeling. It's so good. And it's like you feel bad. It's not like you feel good. You feel bad, but, but you don't feel like alone. You know, you feel bad with others, which is good. Yeah, you're cringing and laughing. <laughs> Watching live at the Beacon Theater on my, you know, 11-inch laptop screen, I laughed out loud, but I imagine seeing him live, that feeling of being in a room full of people who are all cringing and laughing and laughing till they're crying, probably some of them, is probably a fun room to be in. I saw him in Newark. It was an art center, but it felt like a really big, not stadium, but like a big arena. Like he was just a little too far away so that I was just like 
on high alert trying to make sure I didn't miss any single thing he said. Sure. It was too big a deal to me to be seeing Louis live. And so I was stressed <laughs> out the entire time that I would miss something. <laughs> and I couldn't rewind it. And so I feel like my anxiety prevented me from fully experiencing it. Well, I wish I could rewind other parts of my life too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do feel stressed about that in general. What about country music? Do you find interesting? You said that you like the way they tell stories. How does a country music song that you like tell a story? So a lot of times they start off with with a particular anecdote, which if you listen to Planet Money, we kind of try to do the same thing. We'll start off a podcast with a particular anecdote. And This American Life does it too. A basic radio principle is to do a little movie in your head. You know, you just want to run a little movie in the listener's head. And that's what country music songs do. So there's this one song that I heard on the radio when I was driving around Elko, Nevada. With my colleague Robert, we were doing a story on the gold mines in Nevada back when the gold price was high. We were thinking about putting our story together and how to do it, and the radio was on a bunch, and we heard this amazing song called Do You Want Fries For That? And it was just like this absurd situation where this guy, basically his ex-wife's new husband comes through the drive-thru of the McDonald's where he's working now. (laughs) And there's this chorus that's like, you took my house, you took my wife. And you took my kids. My dreams, the dog, the cat. (laughs) And it's like the high, the the biggest thing to the smallest thing, you know? And then he's like, I guess there's just one more thing, which is, do you want fries with that? (laughs) And it's just like so funny and profound. I was looking up the lyrics of that song, and not only... Is it about being at the drive-thru, but he says in one of the lines, I hope you both choke on a pickle. Man, that would tickle me to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so weird. Like, who would have thought of that idea <laughs> that you'd be at the drive I don't know. It's so good. It's good. And the language itself, very short sentences, very, very simple, but, like, really weird and profound. And... That's kind of your goal, I think, on the radio is to keep the listener with you the whole time and also be surprising and weird. And like country music is like that. I think a lot of pop music is like that, but country music especially, like they just come up with these really weird scenarios. Like there's this song, a country music song that's charting now even. It's this Blake Shelton song and I love him. It's about like the boys around here and it's just boys around here drinking their ice cold beer and kind of one of those standard good old boy country songs but the chorus is chew tobacco chew tobacco chew tobacco <laughs> spit which is just such a we- who would put a chorus like that like that's just nonsense and it's surprising and weird and like that's that's what I like about country music I like country music basically the best at this point I like it the best sometimes and I know this sounds like annoying to say, but sometimes it's a little too gendered for me, honestly. (laughs) 
This is the Nerdette podcast. We nerd out about gender study stuff sometimes. (laughs) I find it like a little bit just tiring. The ideal version of the girl is she's always riding shotgun in the pickup truck with their pretty feet up on the dashboard and stuff. And he's always driving her around. And sometimes like I feel like that's not helpful (laughs) because it can make you feel like not pretty if you're not that. But then there's songs like Carrie Underwood's song about before he cheats, about basically keying up her boyfriend's car while um he's like at some bar with this girl. And that's this awesome song about the way you think about your ex with somebody new and how like yeah. torturous that is. And then like exacting the best revenge. And it doesn't feel as gendered because even though it is about like a woman missing her man it's not really it's more about that universal like feeling of fantasizing right yeah fantasizing your anger out well and that's one of the oldest ways we tell stories putting a beat behind something and making it a song is a way that we got people to sit down and gather around and listen to a story that we felt like we needed to tell yeah totally totally but it's also like i always just feel really conscious that i'm working in radio and so it's like the rest of the radio dial is always very interesting to me I always like to know what's happening everywhere else on the radio and so it's mostly music and these days it's mostly country music because country music still makes money on the radio I always feel conscious of the fact that we're in the radio dial yeah it's interesting to think about you know in the same way that television writers have to think about what's on other channels what they're programming against I think that yeah I think that exactly. But I don't think that public radio has a real awareness that it's in the radio. (laughs) So, I mean, and like, obviously, that's changing. People listen to the radio less and less. And I know that. And that's that's fine. But at the very least, those are the experts in the field that we're in. So we should at least be seeing what they're doing, even if we're going to be competing against them less and less as we all like move to a different, you know, Internet world or whatever. That sounded like a really old person. <laughs> uh, the, you know what I'm saying? The interwebs like, and the Tweety Birds. And yeah, the... <laughs> you know, like whatever digital space, <laughs> social media, that's something to be like aware of that who we are competing with is going to change. But still, at least we should take lessons from the way the rest of the radio does it, I think. Shoot them back and shoot them back and shoot them back a spit. Thanks to Zoe Chase for talking with us. So her accent is the source of so much internet scuttlebutt that she addresses it on her bio on the NPR website. I love this. Both that she didn't let some vocal coach smush her into some box about how public radio is supposed to sound, and also that she explains it like this. It's her proprietary blend, a New England family, a Manhattan childhood, college at Oberlin in Ohio, and a first job as a teacher in a Philadelphia high school. We also nerded out pretty hard with Zoe about making radio. And we do realize that not all of you are as nerdy as us about how the radio sausage gets made. But if you do want to check that out, we have more from our interview with Zoe Chase at nerdatpodcast.com. So you attentive nerdat listeners will recognize the name M.T. Anderson by now. He's the author of Feed, which Nerdette contributor Megan Murphy-Gill peer-pressured us into reading a few episodes back. And we're excited about gobbling up the rest of M.T. Anderson's books, too. I just finished Feed, which was written in 2002 and is a near-future sci-fi look about what happens when the internet gets installed in our brains. It's almost spooky how well this decade-old book predicts trends in technology and advertising. 
We'll hear more from M.T. Anderson in an upcoming episode about the role of technology in our lives. But here's a sneak preview. This is his explanation about how to create slang in fiction and how technology is changing language. Yeah, so this goes out to all my fellow linguistics nerds. Up until 2000, you could read a book from, say, 1985 for teens and a book from 1995 for teens, even one from 1975. And in each case, even though the language would change a little bit, you're not dealing with whole new modes of communication. If you want to talk to a friend, you call them on the telephone, for example. In most of that period, you call them on the telephone and you have to stand in one place while talking on the telephone. That's no longer true, and I think that it's a tremendously difficult thing for young adult writers because, you know, their audience is actually conversing through media that are going to arise after you've written the book but before it's published. Not just is the technology going to change, but the linguistic protocols are going to change, and the way that people use that is going to change. In a way, it was easier for me in books like Feed, and then I also wrote um, a couple of books that actually went the other direction back into the 18th century, The Pox Party and The Kingdom on the Waves, which um, also have very intense language of another period. But it was easier for me because in none of those cases did I have to write about something that the reader will think of as contemporary. I made it easier for myself, in a sense, by choosing something where I could create a language that would be for a very different world. The slang you created is really intuitive and engaging. Well, you know, so what I did when I was creating the language for the book is that I looked at American slang through the ages, and I realized that there were a few positions that are always held by slang words. These are just filled in a different way in every generation. So that, for example, you always have a word that means male friend. In the 20th century, it was words like pal, buddy, moving onwards in the 19, late 1960s to man. And then by the 90s, you had the introduction of dude. And, um, and I actually think that right now, we are on the cusp of another change, which is that dude is becoming a pejorative term, whereas it's being replaced by bro as the positive term. So that, for example, dude, you spilled that all over my lap as opposed to, bro, let's go get a drink. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're right. I looked at words like that, or I knew that there's always a kind of positive intensifier. So, for example, in the 19th century, words like capital or bully, bully for you. (laughs) Um, And then uh, my generation, our um, contribution was awesome. You know, moving forward, the probably best forgotten fat, P-H-A-T, in the mid-90s. And then onwards to things like tight or sick. And in each case, I think that there is some interesting cultural work to be done about why that word is chosen to mean something that is very, very positive. I think that it is important that in the 70s, one of the words was far out. The idea that if you call something far out, man, that is to say it is very positive, which is very different than in the late 90s or early 2000s when to say something is tight. The one pulls it into the center and locks it, whereas the other is about being on the fringe, being on the edge. Those actually represent a lot about the cultures of respectively 2000 A.D. and 1970 A.D. What does it say about Boston that everything's wicked cool? (laughs) I know. We also had, um, if it was really, really cool, it was wicked pissa. And um, (laughs) I remember as a little kid, my relatives having to explain to my cousin, you know, oh, when he says wicked good... That might seem like it doesn't make any sense, but he means really, really good. I don't know. I don't think of Bostonians as a particularly um, evil people. 
Well, the East Coast has its history with witches. That's true. That must be it. <laughs> so that's how I came up with unit instead of dude and bro and man. And then words like brag, you know, like Meg Bragg instead of something like cool or awesome or whatever else. I particularly love UNIT just because I think it captures this kind of movement toward, like, gender neutrality. And right, so. and also for me, I feel like we are in a period when people are struggling with the fact on a larger cultural plane that we are imperfect animals, sort of these hairy creatures that somehow in a world of product. Yeah, I think that's what really struck me about it is the fact, not that it's gender neutral, but that it's sort of dehumanizing. And we sort of wish we were product. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we are actually all striving to become more like products than like animals. And so I thought that UNIT worked for that reason, too. Thanks to M.T. Anderson and Nerdette contributor Megan Murphy-Gill for joining us for that interview. I have to warn you, though, after you read Feed, you're going to want to unplug for a little while. Maybe even take a walk in the woods. Without Instagramming anything. Time now for homework. What's your homework for us this week, Greta? My homework for you is to watch Orange is the New Black with me. I've heard a lot about it over the last week or so, and it sounds really good. Though I have to say, I'm often skeptical of shows that are this universally loved. What, are you some kind of TV hipster? No, I'm just worried that I might not like it as much as everyone else. Oh man, I watched all 13 episodes already, Greta, and I really dug it. Genji Cohen has made something special here, and I need you to hurry up and watch it so we can talk more about it. You too, listeners. Okay, Nerdette cohorts, here we are. We have to make Trisha happy and watch Orange is the New Black on Netflix this week. Don't do it for me. Do it for yourselves. And then tweet at us at Nerdette Podcast and tell us what you think of the show. You know what I love, Greta? What? I really love when people leave Nerdette voicemails. A little notification pops up on my Google Voice app, and I'm always really excited to listen to them. Like this one. Hi, Trisha and Greta. I'm calling from Alaska, and I'm calling with my summer reading homework. And my book is called Codename Verity. The author is Elizabeth Ween. It's a young adult novel about uh, friendship of two young women. It's the story of a British spy plane that crashes in Nazi-occupied France. It's written kind of diary style. You're not really sure writing as the story begins to unfold, so that's kind of cool. It's funny and sweet. It's also intense and harrowing, and it kind of leaves you drained at the end, but, you know, in a good way, and um, I think you'll like it. I think your Nerdette podcast listeners will like it. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. You can leave us a message. Tell us what you're nerding out about these days at 312-600-5638. Trisha, what's your homework? My homework for you is inspired by our conversation with M.T. Anderson. It's to watch the BBC show Black Mirror. The whole six-episode run so far is fantastic, but the episode I kept thinking about as I read Feed is one called The Entire History of You. Each episode of Black Mirror is self-contained like a movie, so you can skip right to this one even if you haven't seen the others. So this is where I have to tell you that I haven't gotten a chance to watch Black Mirror yet. I'm really behind on my homework, obviously. Really? Interesting, Greta, because I watched Orphan Black. I know, I know. So guys, this BBC sci-fi confusion is part of our friendship and the podcast's origin story. I wanted you to watch this new BBC show, Black Something. And you wanted me to watch this new BBC show, Something Black. And for a while, we thought maybe we were talking about the same show. Then we realized they were two different shows. So whenever we crossed paths at work, I'd say, have you seen Orphan Black yet? And I'd say, no. 
have you seen Black Mirror yet? And I'd say no. And then we'd go back to work. So, Trisha, since you've held up your end of the bargain, I promise I'll watch Black Mirror ASAP. Good, because I kind of have a lot of feels about this show, especially the episode, The Entire History of You. It's going to make you think twice about Google Glasses if you haven't already. You can find a link to all of our homework and assign us some at nerdatpodcast.com. That's it for today. Thanks again to Zoe Chase and M.T. Anderson. And to our intern Claire, who we've asked only to speak in self-righteous monologues while she walks quickly across the newsroom from now on. What the hell are you doing here? I'm applying for an internship. Why? I watched the show, and I read the New York Magazine article, and I know what a greater fool is, and I want to be one. Camelot. She's a kid at the end of Camelot. Hire her. Thanks for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Throw us a few stars if you're feeling generous. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. But that's what bucket lists are for. This is Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.